Absolutely. And it's not an easy thing. That's an undertaking that, you know, I think that's why so many groups are, you know, doing the same things and duplicating efforts. You know, we all have the end result. We want to change the stigma. But how do we go about it? And I think you said it in the very beginning. Like, how do we work together? We need to work together. We shouldn't have six different groups all doing different things. If we're all working together, why can't we collaborate somehow? What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another podcast of Silencing of Stigma. We have a returning guest with us today, uh, Gina. Hi. Gina was on a few of our podcasts before. Gina is Jackie's mother. She was here with Jackie. She is Steph's mother. And she came back a third time, I believe, when we discussed some of the different organizations that she's involved in um, that can help people within recovery. So we literally just had a podcast before the podcast that we weren't recording. (laughs) So some of this might be duplicated for us, but not for our listeners. Because Gina is very involved in different organizations. And one of the things we talked about before this podcast is how can we all work together? I feel like the people in recovery, like... There's so many different organizations. Who do we go to? How can we get everyone together doing the same thing for the same reason and help people out? And one of the things that she shared that I want to talk about first because I want to make sure that this does not get forgotten um, because I feel like it's key. I've heard it myself several times. Is let's talk about the insurance part of this. Okay. Um, so one of the organizations I'm involved in is the parent, um, I'm going to say it wrong, it's the Parent Panel Advisory Council. They are a um, subcommittee of the Pennsylvania Drug and Alcohol. So we had a meeting yesterday and we had a speaker. Um, Her name's Deb Beck. I think she said people can contact her if they need to. I do not remember where she's from, so I'm not sure. This council kind of covers all of the different counties in Pennsylvania. And she said the one thing, and she probably reiterated this five, six times throughout the entire meeting. She said, Everybody has insurance. Don't ever let anybody say they can't get into treatment because of insurance. They do have something called the parity law. I only know a little bit from what they said yesterday, but I know that the parity law is basically saying that the insurance carriers have to cover substance use and mental illness just like they would any other medical disease or issue that you have. Um, so they are trying, some of the insurance carriers might put substance use in a separate category and then say, oh, well, we can only cover this for you, or we can't cover you at all, and you can't get into this treatment center. Um, so if you have any issues, the best thing they say to do is to go to your SCA, which I just found out was <laughs> your single county authority, um, which in our area would be the um, York and Adams Drug and Alcohol Council, I think is what it's called. And they would be able to help, and you could talk to them and say, look, I've been trying to get into this treatment center. I keep getting turned down. Um, Deb just reiterated again, everybody has insurance. You have the right to insurance. You can get in, and you can get treatment and can be covered. So even if you think you can't, there should be somebody, a caseworker, uh, somebody from the, from the York and Adams Drug and Alcohol, the Race Project, any of these places, if you reach out to them, they should be able to find you the forms that you need to fill out to get your insurance, if you have to do medical assistance to get in there, whatever that situation would be. Um, so that's kind of like on the insurance, just know that you, everybody has insurance and everybody has a right to be covered in treatment. And that's both addiction and mental and health. And mental health, yes. And that, that's important. I know some rehabs are, or treatment centers are, 
private and they right. don't accept funding, but so they wouldn't be eligible for there necessarily, but they would be able to go somewhere. They should be able to go somewhere. So, okay. you know, I think if you have any major questions, like I said, this was something that she reiterated. I tried to take notes. There's a lot of things that mm -hmm. I'm still learning on this council. Um, but you know, I just, what I just kept hearing is that everybody has insurance. So don't ever let anybody tell you, you can't get insurance. So I think that that's something for everybody to remember. So I think Kathy, you were saying, you've heard people say, I can't Absolutely. get into treatment because I don't have insurance. They need to find somebody that can help them navigate the waters to be able to get the insurance. And I think that's what we're finding with a lot of stuff throughout this entire, all of the podcasts, all of the things that we're doing is that. We just don't know where to go. Yes. People don't know who to reach out to. We have, like you said, all these different organizations and groups and everybody's end result is almost the same, mm -hmm. you know, but everybody, you know, you've got duplicating efforts. You've got, you know, three groups trying to come up with a resource guide and, you know, and yet nobody comes up with a resource guide because you don't have somebody to maintain it. And so nobody knows where to go or who to reach out to. And, um, you know, I'm, I don't always know where to go, but if there's anybody that's listening to this, I don't have a problem with somebody contacting me or contacting you to get a hold Absolutely. of me, you know, and I can reach out and try to figure out, you know, I might, I'm not going to get somebody into treatment, but I might be able to at least find somewhere where they can go or someone that they can talk to. Um, because my networking is getting quite large now. So I feel like I have a good networking system that I might not have the answer, but I can reach out and find somebody that will. And that's awesome that you're growing your network. I mean, we all try to grow our network. We're all out, like you said, for the same reason. Right. You have a child in addiction, in recovery right now. And how long has Jackie been clean? November 23rd will be two years. That is so awesome yeah. for Jackie. That yeah. We did her last year and she was just at a year. Yes. I think we did it before she was even a year. So congratulations to Jackie. Yeah. Like that's phenomenal. And I it's know awesome. that you're happy. And we'll just go into Jackie and then we'll get back to this, um, what our goals are. So Jackie was on our podcast. She wasn't able to see her son. Gina was sharing the story, how frustrating it is. Fill yes. us in on what's happened over the past year with Jackie. Well, over the past year, we have moved from her not being able to have any contact whatsoever with him to video calls. And I think she might have been starting to get video calls on one of her podcasts with you. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yes. Like she was getting, you know, two calls a week and she was able to call her son and talk and if she was late she was you know not allowed to talk to him and uh, there's just a lot of limitations there so that was a challenge for her because in addition to that she was doing a lot of her personal growth that she needed to do she was doing a lot of things that were either mandatory or voluntary on her part that she needed to be able to continue her recovery she has since graduated from her dbt therapy um October 11th so she's completed that and in between after she went from the video calls she was able to start getting contact with him she had to have a therapeutic supervisor um, again I always I'll just preface it with you know Jackie's situation should not have ended up the way it was you know she mm -hmm. what she has had to go through and the hoops that she's had to go through and hurdles that she's had to jump is all because of stigma mm -hmm. um lack of education from people in the criminal justice system and allowing the court system allowing power from somebody who should not have been given that power I'll just say that okay. <laughs> so, just well preface put. it there so um 
but she did, you know, she did end up having to go through this and I think it's made her stronger and I think it's, it's given us an opportunity to see other things that need to be changed throughout this entire system. So she has now moved in, she's finished the therapeutic supervision, she had a supervisor for a while, um, she had to go to the supervisor's building and then it moved into our house. So then Hunter now, just bypassing all of that, she's gone through everything that she needed to do, she did parenting classes, all of that good stuff. And so now she sees Hunter we switch. I have him five days a month. I basically have him the third and fourth Monday of the month and then every other weekend. Jackie gets him the first and second Tuesday, the fifth Tuesday if there is one, and then she gets him every Thursday. So um, it's been, I was telling Kathy when I first got here that, you know, I love him. He's going to be six in November and he's going to be six the same week that Jackie you know, celebrates her second year. So it's a lot to, and it's Thanksgiving week. So it is a lot to be thankful for that, that particular week. Um, but, uh, you know, he's exhausting. He's going to be six. <laughs> so he is, uh, he's a fun kid. He's so smart, but, um, you know, <laughs> I have him a lot in my house now. <laughs> So, so it's good. You know, Jackie is sharing the responsibility. We're both learning. It's a learning process for Jackie. It's learning to, you know, get back into that mom role. And, you know, she unfortunately didn't get a lot of that toddler year with him. Um, so he's asking a lot of questions. He's doing a lot of things like, you know, tell me what I did when I was a baby. And, you know, how did you hold me? And how did you, you know, just all of these things that he really is curious about. And, um, you know, and he's also testing her and, and trying, you know, what can I get away with? Like the first couple times he was over, it was just, you know, he was just really testy and he would be really nice one second and kind of mean and rude the next. And Jackie didn't know how to, to fix that. But I was like, you just got to go with it because this is new to him. Mm -hmm. He has no idea what's going on here. Um, so now he says things like, I wish I could spend a whole week with you. And why do I have to go back home? I want to stay longer with you. So, you know, we still have some things that we have to go through. Um, I'm going to look at Austin because Kathy's tearing up and I'm not going to cry. So She's I'm going to stay this I way. Just, I'm not tearing I'm not, up sad. I'm just excited <laughs> no, I know, for everything I know. that you went through. <laughs> I know. It just gives those other people out there that are fighting for their kids. Like, there is Don't hope. give up. Like, don't give up. There's there is a lot hope. of steps, but it's yeah. worth it. Turn them tears off. Okay, I'm trying, <laughs> but I'm just so happy because Jackie, I mean, I remember last year where she was at, yeah, and it was a whole year, and, and I, I just keep thinking of that video that she shared with me the first time oh he came God. into that counselor's yes. office, and he was just ecstatic he when he so ran happy. into the room. And, and that should have been the tell-all right yep. there that, you know, and, and I, I'm not going to toot my own horn in any way, but the fact that I was able to go in there and get grandparent rights. That is what saved the relationship between Jackie and Hunter because there would there was no support on the other side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they just wanted to forget about her. I think they already chalked her up as not going to be surviving and they just kind of tossed her out. And so he was not getting any support for his mom in his other household. So I was able to continue showing him videos, showing pictures of him and his mom when they were little, when she couldn't have any contact. And we just talked about her a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't something that I drilled in him all the time. I mm -hmm. let him kind of run with it. Um, you know, I, I'm not a perfect grandparent or a perfect parent, but I felt like Hunter needed to know that she was always going to be there. And it was good. I don't know the entire context. And if Jackie's ever on again, she could probably explain it. But I think her and her, 
the supervisor had come up with something that Jackie was in a bubble trying to explain to Hunter because he, he also doesn't understand addiction right. and he hasn't, we feel like that's something that he needs to understand that this is the reason mm-hmm. that she was in this bubble. But right now he just believes that his mama was in a bubble and she could see things and she could hear things, but she couldn't touch anybody. She couldn't come down and she couldn't be with anybody. And then that bubble burst, she got better, the bubble burst and now she's down there with them. So you're going to make me cry. <laughs> Wow. So he does every now and then say, you know, um, they were playing in the car the other day and Hunter did this, uh, you know, well, I, that's, you're back in the bubble, mama. I'm so sad. I can't see you again because you're in the bubble. And Jackie's like, why are we playing that I'm in the bubble? I'm not in the bubble. And I think that it's just like, he's, he was on his way back to his dad's house. And I think he's still trying to make sure she's going to stick around, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like, let's just pretend that she's back in the bubble again in case she's not there again. Okay. So, ah, darn it, Tuffy. Tissues. (laughs) No, that story, it's just, yeah, you know, it affects so many people. We think about, you know, it's, it's just the person that has the disease, but it's everybody. Everybody is affected. Everyone in the family yeah. is affected. Yeah. And you have little ones that I often wonder. I think when Caitlin was on, I said, does your children get counseling for this? And she said no. And I right. think, you know, you're, you're an advocate for all this. And yes. you're going to make sure that Hunter's taken care of. But how many kids are out there who watch their parents right. and don't understand any of this right. and are just confused? And again, back to your point, we need to have counseling. We need to have support systems. Right. And places for these people to well, call. Well, and the cost, I mean, to do this therapeutic supervision that wasn't even court-ordered. I mean, it, it was play therapy that was ordered. So we got we got twisted around into a situation <laughs> where she got into this therapeutic supervision thing, which it turned out to be okay. You know, it, it turned out good. So things happen for a reason. But um, the cost of it that Jackie had to foot the bill for was unbelievable. And... You know, she even said to the therapist one time, what do other people do if they can't afford it? And she said they don't get their kids back. Now, what a horrible thing for a therapeutic supervisor to say (laughs) to begin with, you know. And I would think that if I was in that field, I would try to figure out a way to make sure these mothers could get their kids back because that's not right. That's not right that the only reason Jackie could get her child back was because she had a mom that that was the choice that I made. Mm -hmm. I chose to go down that path. You know, there's other family members that might not choose to help at all. Some might help with legal fees. I chose to do the the child custody. So because I, you know, did that, Jackie had a chance of getting her son back. And it does resonate with me how many people do not have a parent out there to support them or have someone that will foot the bill for them or help them get their kids back. Because sometimes they're on their own. I mean, we know they're that on their families... Own disown them for whatever yep. reason and you know I'm not here to judge that family because right. I've not been in their shoes and right. I don't know what the history is behind all that right and, I, and there's I, other family members that are supportive but don't have the financial right. means to do it yep. so you know my gratitude goes a long way it goes even beyond the addiction it goes just to things that I've done in my life that have put me in a better position you know 
being grateful that I, I had an aunt that was, a, you know, that I was able to get an inheritance. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that played yes. a part. So I look at all those little pieces and I feel like when we say everything happens for a reason, I look at how all those pieces have fit together. And I could sit there and say, I want to retire in four years. And if I would have had all this money that I put out, I could probably retire now. <laughs> but, um, but my role was to do this. And I think that this is what my purpose is. And I think when I do retire, then I'd be able to put more of an effort into these types of things. You know, I feel that that was Steph's purpose as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just allowing, allowing Jackie to get better um, and allowing me to just figure all this stuff out, you know, and, and there's so much left to figure out. I Absolutely. Mean, a lot of stuff. So. We, we haven't even touched the tip of this no absolutely there, there's not. so many parents like you and i out there with different situations that are just trying to figure it out and yep. family members and austin's done a lot of checking things out and everybody that we have on the podcast everybody wants the same thing we just yep. don't want one more person to have to go through this and right. so and there's happy stories and it's thanksgiving mm-hmm. coming and i got emotional because you're going to have a great thanksgiving yeah. week you have a lot to celebrate that yep. week but you've been through hell to get to that. Right. You know, and that's Absolutely. why I enjoy talking to you and hearing your stories yeah. because it's been a fight. Right. And there's always hurdles. You know, I mean, I say like things are, I, I think I had my, I feel like this is falling off. <laughs> I, feel, um, I had my final therapy session. Like I chose to end my therapy and you know, my, my therapist, the very, I was on my way to the last session and I'm thinking life is good. Like I've got other things. We've got things that, you know, we've got challenges coming mm-hmm. up. We're still going to have challenges. We still have court and things like that with Hunter so that, you know, her expansion is going to be expanding more time so that she's not only not just seeing him, what she has now, but then moving into 50, 50 custody at some point in time. Um, and how that's going to look, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause we're all living together. So, <laughs> you know, um, that's going to, you know, look a lot different in my house, which is fine. Um, but I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with this? Just how great it it's great so you're, yeah you're gonna you hit know. your hurdles and everybody's gonna hit the hurdles but yeah. look for the positive at the yeah. end of that and rainbow. like I, I told my therapist that's what I was doing I, I told my therapist like life is good and she's like life is good you know she's like you've come a long way mm-hmm. you know I've had five years of crap like yeah. just crap so um yeah so life is good and there's hope for everybody there is hope there, for everybody out there there's organizations there's so much to help and we just got to figure out how everybody's going to work right. together to get this information out there. Yeah. So the listeners that are still fighting for their kids, whether it's the dad or the mom, like keep fighting, keep fighting, and, and don't give up on yourself. Or right, and I'm going to put hurdles. a plug out there for yeah. self care because that was something else that was brought up on the meeting that I was on yesterday, and I thought about it because I've made this comment a lot lately, um, trying to help different people, and. Um, somebody actually said we get in this because of personal reasons because we've had loss or we've had Mm -hmm. a reason that put us in here and we want to fix everything we want to resolve all of the problems and then all of a sudden we lose ourselves in this process Mm -hmm. and you know I had to like I'm dressed for the gym I'm hoping to go to the gym when (laughs) I leave here you know because I thought about that and I thought that's so true you know I just I stood in the kitchen the other day and you know had somebody that was looking for housing and I I just felt so hopeless that my first thought went to well, I wonder if there's a place that I could quickly buy that I could like rent out, you know, and I'm thinking, and I was like, whoa, Gina, like you got to back off here. You cannot, 
you cannot save the world. But that was where my mind went. My mind went right away. Like, can I buy something that I can rent out that this person will have a place to live now? Like that's going to happen in 24 hours, you know, like, (laughs) come on. But that's where my head goes. And so I need to just take a step back and realize, you know, I'm, what I'm doing is good and I don't have to try to fix everything and use my network to try to fix some of the things that I don't have the capacity to fix. And that's important growing that network. Right. And we've, we've been in several circles together. It just comes around. I mean, because everybody wants the same thing. And I just, I want more for the people in recovery and when you're ready to buy yeah. that apartment or house, let, let me you know. know. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I often said, oh, I would love to own a recovery house and help people out. Um, yeah. Again, that's just me at the same moment. Like, oh, I can try to do this and help people. Right. And that's what our goal is. But the networking is going to be key for it, all of it that. It really is. And I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't want to buy something. There's a lot of, there's a lot of rehabs and recovery houses, a lot of recovery houses, I should say, a lot of recovery houses out there. There's a lot of sober living and transitional living houses. I really feel, and like you said, we need to work more in recovery. And I don't think it's so much the short term. I think there's a lot out there to help people in short term mm-hmm. recovery. Their recovery is different from everyone. So you can do that. You can, you know, find some place that's going to help you work the 12 steps, or maybe it's spiritual, or maybe it's going to the gym or whatever it works for you. You know, I'm finding out that you don't have to do a 12-step program to be, you know, successful in recovery. You know, right. it's got to be something that you got to work. But the long-term recovery is what I'm finding now as I move through the process that we're having so much trouble with. And it does have to do with your probation officers. It has to do with your criminal justice system, the sentences that you're given, the DUIs that you have, the ability to not get housing because you had an eviction on your record, the ability to not get to work because you don't have a driver's license for seven years. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we need to look at from recovery. And I would love to find a house that's going to house people like my friend that I talked about earlier Mm -hmm. that, you know, is in long-term recovery and can't find a place to live, you know, and, and is given a deadline by programs that she's involved in saying, you have to be out by October 31st. And if you don't have a place, sorry for your luck, you know, we can't find any place for you. Um, I think it's the long-term recovery is what you're saying. Yeah. When it's short-term and they're just out and the probation officers, everybody's trying to help There's them. There's a lot of help. But then yeah. all of a sudden, you're two years clean and you're three years clean and, and everybody thinks, think you're okay, back you're to good. Normal. Yeah. But you're not because right. your criminal records, and yes, you made a choice and you put it there. And we hear people say that all the time. I can't help them. They did this. They right. made this choice. Now they have the record. They have to live with it. But do they have to live with it the rest of their life? Right. And they're they're clean, they're two years, they're three years, and they want to get apartments or they want to get that job that they right. want so bad, and they do this background check, and then all of a sudden it just comes back to haunt them again, haunt. and they just keep hearing it over and over again. Well, three years ago you had this, four years ago you had this. When do we give them the chance? Right. And and not even just people in addiction. Like right. Criminal records. Anybody. Can take your, your job. And I think that's what the reentry coalition is supposed to be working with so i feel like the reentry coalition needs to work not just with those who are recently out of of prison or jail but those in long-term recovery if if a reentry is a reentry and these people that are in long-term recovery are re-entering life you know i mean we had had stuff uh, won't go into any detail but just different things like jackie jackie and her boyfriend they are learning how to adult 
They're mm-hmm. learning how to live life because they haven't lived life for the last 15 years. So now, you know, you and I, we've grown up with our experiences and our wisdom and, you know, setbacks and things. And, and we didn't use these substances to mask what we're going through. Mm-hmm. You know, we've just gotten through. So we're what they call normal. <laughs> we are not normal, but they call us normal. Um, I think we had that conversation yes. during here too, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, you know, I thought about that and I was like, you know, my, my job, like they joke, Jack, Jackie and Steven joke all the time. Um, Jackie told him yesterday, talk to my mom and listen to whatever she says. Cause she's always right. <laughs> so, um, what do you say? well, he, he talked to me about his situation and I guided him in a certain way. And, um, he kind of did what I said and I got a text message from him later and he said, Jackie was right. Keep being you. <laughs> so, um, you know, and it, and it was just something as simple as just good ethics, Mm -hmm. good work ethics and things that you should do when things aren't working out the way you think they should work Mm -hmm. out. Don't just be impulsive and run, handle the situation in a different way. And so I kind of got it. I do not know everything. (laughs) You know, I wish I knew everything, but, um, but I was glad, you know, to be able to guide them. And and I thought about that afterwards and I was like, that's what they need. They don't Mm -hmm. need me saying you need to do this and you need to do that. Here's you make your own decisions, but if I were in your shoes, this is how I would handle the situation, and here's the reason why I would handle the situation, because it could help you in the future. If you handle it like this, you might get somewhere further because you didn't burn a bridge and you had the integrity to call somebody and say, hey, this is why I did what I did. Mm-hmm. So um, it worked out really, really good for him. I'm really happy that it worked out really good, mm-hmm. and I've got a another notch of knowing what everything <laughs> <laughs> on my shoulder. So, yeah, but um, to your point, it's years later, and right. they're grown. They didn't just become addicts right. last year, and it gets fixed in a year. It's years and years of living that life, right? And now they want to make it better. So we need to find a way to help them Absolutely. make it better. However, that picture looks and, and to your point and that picture doesn't look like a syncreon that has a second chance company that is low like a second chance for what a second chance company to get high again which is kind of what you know everybody that works there really struggles so um you know we need more companies that are going to give these people chances uh, and they're they're out there if you look yep. hard enough there's a lot of companies out there that will give you that opportunity and um and what's crazy is they want that opportunity. They want that opportunity. And they literally will come and interview and just pray to God that they pass that background right. check when it comes to it. Right. Like you can see it on, in, on their faces. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. Like, and from, you know, for me, my thought process is I probably tell them before I would do that. That's not how they usually think. It's like, well, just let them find out and then we'll Mm -hmm. go because it's an embarrassment to Mm -hmm. them, you know, Mm -hmm. and they don't want to be rejected before they have to be rejected. So I get that, you know, but I'm more upfront. I'd be like, Hey, I just want to let you know, this is what's going on. I really want this opportunity. I'm a good worker. I have this much clean time, but this is what you're going to find on my background. Is that going to be a problem? Because if it is, then we might not even go further, Mm -hmm. you know, just be upfront with it. But Again, that comes with wisdom and that comes with adulting enough to get the courage and the backbone to do something like that. 
So, but yeah. It's, and it comes with stigma. And it because comes with a stigma. lot of people that aren't educated are going to look at that and they're going to be like, I don't think I want to employ that person. Absolutely. You interview people. I do interview people. How would you people. feel if someone put it in the table right, right up front, like she said, versus someone that you're going to find out later on the background check? Would that change your perception on the person? I think it'd be a positive because now you're putting it out there instead of someone finding it. Right. So, honest answer before Kyle. I probably would have been like, oh, I'm a little bit worried about this. Not being educated. That's why I said it depends on the mm-hmm. person at the time. Not being educated. And someone came in and said, you know what? I dealt drugs or whatever. Before I was educated, I'd probably be like, I don't really want somebody in here. You know, I have a bunch of younger people in here. And I don't want this to be a bad influence or take away from the positive atmosphere that I have. And I'm just being 100% honest right now. That would probably be my answer. Post-Kyle and education-wise, and it, I would not have a problem with that. I would be, I can't answer that question. It's not up to me mm-hmm. as the hiring supervisor to say that your background's going to prevent you or not. It's on a one-on-one basis, but I would give them a shot. I would give them a chance right? because I believe that they need it. And these are educated people who just made a, a wrong decision, and, and they're not the people that everybody thinks that they're the dirt on the street. And right. I've learned that. So honestly, now it happens sometimes now. Right. You'd be amazed at what that not one more bracelet does when you wear it. It does. More it people, really does. more people are open and they recognize that you're wearing that bracelet or you are part of an organization that understands. Mm-hmm. I mean, the not one more meeting that we were at just the other week, there was an escalation in the hospital about pain medicine. Right. And the, the individual was freaking out about it. And one of the board members had her bracelet on and just lifted her sleeve up and said, I understand. And all of a sudden, the whole situation changed. Mm-hmm. So now, if I were to interview somebody and they would say that to me, I would say, let's go through with the process. If you're still interested in the position after we go through all this, let's see what happens. With, with your background right. and hope for the best. I mean, I think that if companies could look at it, that you have a probationary period anyway when you start in mm-hmm. there. So depending on what your situation is, and I understand that if you, you know, if, if you've been on crime sprees and you've robbed and you start, like, I can understand them taking a second look and saying, I don't really know that this is something that I could do. But like I know Target, I think, is a second chance company. And, you know, they put out like they are they they're pretty open on their website about we are a second chance as long as these are the criteria that we have. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm OK with that, because I think what they're saying is that, you know, we're going to look at you as an individual. If you have all of this stuff, you know, uh, we're going to have to really think about it. But if you don't have some of these things, then I think we can go ahead and hire you and give a chance. And I think that you know, just like life, I think there's tears and I think you put them on probation and they've got to earn trust. Mm -hmm. You know, Jackie had to earn trust in my house. Like I didn't just automatically leave my purse sitting out on the table when she moved back in. Like I could have, but I didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's, there's trust that has been broken, whether it's in a community or in your home and they have to earn that trust. And I, I, I'm all for companies allowing them the opportunity to earn the trust, but just to nix it right off the bat because they have a background, I think that's wrong. I think that that goes to stigma and something that we need to continue to educate. Absolutely. Even felonies. 
Yes. Right away. If it's on the application. I don't know anymore because basically people just do resumes now. But it used to say if you have a felony, yes or no. Right. And they wouldn't even look at that. Right. And it depends. Like you said, some felonies, like even sometimes like the theft part, like I understand that part. You're working in a retail store, mm -hmm. the theft part. But the DUIs and the things like that where you didn't harm anyone and right. you didn't steal, but you still have this, this felony right. for whatever it is. You need to weigh it. Right. And, and also the time period. So right. they were t 10 years ago. Like, did they mature? If, right. If they've not done anything wrong in the last 10 years, I think they've learned from it. Right. And Cut people still penalize. And these are people with degrees. These are people that are well-educated people who made one bad choice. Look at hospitals yes. and the doctors that suffer from the substance use. They don't automatically lose their license. They have a protocol that they have to follow. Mm -hmm. They have all of these things that they have to go through. And if they don't follow that, then they're going to lose their license and they're not going to be able to practice. But they're not automatically kicked to the curb because of a substance use. But it's a, it's a stigma. It's a different thing, you it know. Sure and I don't think that it's right that people like Jackie or Steven or some of the other people out there just automatically, you know. Now, Jackie's, you know Jackie. She's open. Like, <laughs> yeah. she'll, she'll go to a job and she'll be like, here it is. Yep. <laughs> this is what I've done. And if you have a, just what I said, like mm -hmm. if, if you've got a problem with it, like if that's not going to help or hurt me, then go forward, you know? So, um, yeah, I think more of this generation is open. And um, we talked about this on a couple podcasts before about generation, because I know even through the interview process, I've had several people say to me, well, I have tattoos in the past. You always hid your tattoos. Right. I had a boy work for me for a year and a half. I had no idea his whole arm was a tattoo until I saw him out and I was like, Oh my gosh. And he's like, yeah, I always wore long sleeves. Now I'm probably in a minority. I like one of 10 that don't have the tattoos, Right. but society just accepts that. But to your point, Jackie just puts it out there. She puts it out. You're there. doing a video conference and they have a shirt on. You can't see where their tattoos are. Right. And they literally will say to me, is it okay if I have tattoos? So nowadays they do put it out there. Right. And she's doing awesome at her job. And, you know, her her manager was up front with her. I mean, she got a referral from one of the other girls that was working in the restaurant. And, you know, the manager said, I'm going to tell you. Like, she said, I'm going to give you a chance because you got this referral. She said, but I don't typically hire people like you. Isn't that funny? Like you. Like you. I don't particularly hire people like that. And um, Jackie has already, in the short period of time, I don't know if she's going to take it, but been, been offered, you know, the opportunity to try uh, doing managing, and, okay. you know, she's doing really well. So she's proved herself and proved, you know, like, it's worth your time to hire me. You know, I'm good. But um, they always have to prove themselves. They have to prove themselves, I mean, always. even Kyle, he struggled to get good jobs. He got turned down, and he had... He just had a DUI and then he had a drug paraphernalia, mm -hmm. one of those charges. And I'm not downgrading that. It is illegal and he, it was on his record, but even he struggled. But he struggled, yeah. He struggled to get into some of the things that he wanted to get into. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about, like long-term recovery. We've got to help people. We, if we got to educate, I just openly admitted that I would have been hesitant before right. this point to even consider someone. Um, and how do we do that? Like, how do we as a group, you know, I mean, being a part of Not One More now, I think is like, you know, I said to Alyssa, I'm super excited, you know, to do some of the things mm -hmm. we can go into then the family connections that mm -hmm. I'm involved in there yes. too. But, um, you know, how do we as a group advocate for these people? And I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to, um, 
use those in long-term recovery and allow them to be able to start, maybe, maybe take people like the Jackies and Stevens and Caitlins of the world and go into some of these companies and have seminars with them and have speaking engagements with HR and letting them understand the situation, mm-hmm. you know, work with the reentry coalition with some of these people and get in there. You know, I think that just, you know, I spend a lot of time saying, oh, I want to change the system. How do I go about doing it? You know, and I think we just have to keep educating and mm-hmm. educating. And something else that was said in one of the meetings um, as a reminder to everybody uh, yesterday was that we have to remember we're taught for those loved ones that we have with substance use to meet them where they're at in order to help them get better. Um, for all of these things, the criminal justice system, the employers, all of that, we have to meet them where they're at. We're not going to change their mind right away. Mm -hmm. We do have to meet them where we're at, and we have to go in and prove to them, just like the employees have to prove their worth when they're working, we have to prove to them that it's worth their time to be a second-chance company and worth their time to to re-evaluate their laws and their policies in their company. Um, That's very interesting. This is a step that I never even thought about. I mean, I know that there's second chance companies, but to educate HR departments and not even just HR departments, because sometimes it doesn't even lay with them. Right. It lays with the hiring manager of right. the department or whatever, and just educate people. Yeah, I, I definitely think that there needs to be. I mean, now we're having um, compliance training in companies that are like active shooter. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so if we can have an active shooter compliance training, then compliance training should also include the hiring of, you know, it should include substance use, you know, and, and how to find somebody with substance use and how to help them and how to hire them, you know. Um, and there's even, yeah. a lot of things that we can do. Even educating ourselves more, maybe I need to network out there to the person that is in recovery long term. And I'm talking five years, ten years. What was your journey like? You know, get right. them to talk. Like, what was your journey? What were your struggles? How did you overcome right. what you've overcome? Because they're the people that are going to guide us into the next phase right. of what's going to be better. They're the ones. We need these people in long-term recovery to do these types of things mm-hmm. and to get out there and spread the word. Um, do you think some of them don't identify as recovering because it's been so long and they want to leave that past behind them and it's been so long that now I don't even want to talk about it? I think those that really, how do I want to say this? Those that really worked their program, whatever that program might be, those that are compassionate and empathetic and understand even if they're not working in the recovery environment really understand addiction and what the struggles were I think they're okay with talking about it I think those that want to pretend that it didn't happen mm-hmm. I think those you know like on Jackie's side you know we have one of them you mm-hmm. know I he was a former addict but he wants to forget about that mm-hmm. he wants to believe that he is cured with never having to work a program. So someone like that has no compassion, no empathy, and has an unimaginable amount of stigma associated. Mm -hmm. And has um, someone like that would never talk about it. He wants to forget about Mm -hmm. it, you know? So I think it just depends on where you are and what you did to get better, Mm -hmm. you know? It all comes full circle, right back to stigma. It does. That's the number one thing. I believe that's the number one thing is to break that stigma. Absolutely. And it's not an easy thing. That's an undertaking that, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's why so many groups are 
you know, doing the same things and duplicating efforts, you know, we all have the end result. We want to change the stigma, but how do we go about it? And I think you said it in the very beginning, like how do we work together? We need to work together. We shouldn't have six different groups all doing different things. Mm -hmm. If we're all working together, why can't we collaborate somehow? Mm -hmm. um, but again, I don't have the answer for how to do that. Yeah, no, everybody <laughs> so. just, everybody has their own story. And everybody wants to help. And there's a lot of nonprofit organizations and people out there. I mean, including us. Right. Here we are today doing a podcast because we want to help. Right. Everybody wants to help. And it's a good thing that there's that many people that want to help. But how do we tie it all together? Right. Because talk is cheap. Mm -hmm. You know, I find that in some of my meetings, too. You know, there's a lot of talk that goes on with some of the higher ups that really aren't in the whole they're not down there fighting the battle. Mm -hmm. You know, they just want to make the rules and say, oh, well, we can help, and let's just tack that on as something else we did good for the community, but they don't really have a good understanding, um, which, again, is why I, I advocate for those in anyone with, you know, over two years. I really believe mm -hmm. it has to be over two years of recovery, and that doesn't mean, I mean, we still live just for today. Mm -hmm. I always know that it's, you know, today we're good. You know, tomorrow might not be, mm -hmm. but I think that, after two years, you're actually starting to feel a little bit more normal. And so I think that anyone with over two years recovery should really get involved in some of these things and start getting the word out. And help us. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I, I mean, I'm still learning, also still learning. We didn't go through the recovery process or anything like that. Our loss is a lot different than your loss. Right, right. And everybody's story is so different. Yeah. But if we can all share them. I mean, the end result is death or addiction. Right. And rehab after rehab, fighting every day. And then when you have all of these, like we talked about the not one more, and you have, um, you know, some of the positive changes that, that I feel like I was definitely a big part of was starting to go to the CARES meeting that mm -hmm. not one more has. And I started doing that. Um, when I was a part of that, that's where I met some of the people. I met Cindy from not one more and Felicia and um, I remember talking, like Jackie was in a recovery house at the time, and I remember the biggest problem was transportation. So I brought transportation up to them. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is a problem. How do mm -hmm. we get them transportation when they're working third shift and buses don't run and they don't have a driver's license? And, you know, so that started mm -hmm. that talk. And I think Cindy started investigating, and then we started talking about kids not having support groups and then we started talking about grandparents so it's like all of these conversations mm -hmm. ended up leading to a family connections group with not one more so tell us a little bit about that before we end because I want people to know about this okay so family connections is for grandparents basically um, any grandparent who has been touched by addiction whether they've lost a child and they're raising their grandchildren or they're helping you know in my case with Hunter you know and, and Jackie's addiction problems you know that was where I was looking and even Jackson's stepson, you know, I'm not helping to raise mm -hmm. him, but I'm involved in his life. So it's just to help them. It's not a support group. It's events we're trying to do. We've only had two events so far. We're trying to do quarterly or more events that gives them the ability to just have fun. Because when you are now raising your grandchild, you have moved from a grandma who, you know, gets their grandchild and can turn them back when they're tired of them. And we talked about the exhausting, you know. So, you know, I mean, we talk about that. And it's always been a joke over the years, you know, the fun part about going to your grandparents' house. Grandparents, you know, oh, we love our grandkids because we can send them back. 
well, there's grandparents these days that can't send them back anymore. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, they, they have them and they are, ex they're assuming the parental role now and they have to deal with the trauma that the child has gone through. They have to deal with therapy. They have to deal with a lot of things that are very, very difficult. And, um, we wanted to give them an opportunity to know they're not alone. There's other grandparents, other grandchildren and get them all together. So, you know, we started with a picnic at John Rudy and the second event is we went to Lake Tobias and which was awesome. I it saw a picnic pictures. There. Oh, that, that was, was just awesome. so much fun. We had so much fun. And, um, our third event is going to be December 10th through Rocky Ridge Park, uh, Christmas Magic. And one of the people that runs that, I think the tickets don't go on sale until November 15th. And so, you know, I'll give a plug out to Christmas Magic and they're offering to give us some free coupons um, to help with our group, which is really awesome. Mm -hmm. And so we are going to provide free admission for the grandparents and grandchildren. And we are also going to um, pay for a hot chocolate and a cookie. Um, we're going to get coupons and let them have that too. So we're meeting outside of the gate at 6.30 on Facebook. We have the event posted. Um, so if you are a grandparent and you are looking to have some fun times for Christmas and you just want to kind of get away with your grandchild, you know, look us up on Facebook and or call Cindy Heath or call myself and um, we'll get you hooked up. And again, this Come. isn't just a meeting. You're not, it's a, not a support group it where is you not go a there and tell group. your story. It's a hundred percent activity. It is fun activity, related activity. Absolutely. It is totally an activity. It is to have fun. We do not sit around and talk about the trouble. I mean, if you want to find somebody to hook up with and right. you want to talk about it, that's on you. But at Lake Tobias, we all met, we all went in together and we all separated okay. and we all did our own family things. And then we got together for the picnic and we like talked to each awesome. other and then everybody separated again. So that's kind of, you know, what we're looking at at now, Christmas magic. I mean, you're all walking around mm -hmm. the lights. So, you know, more than likely the group's going to stay together, but it's not, mandatory that you're with this group it's just we're getting in as a not one more function and we're making friends I mean that's that's part of the community and I think part of what not one more is doing as a community organization is just doing these family connections mm -hmm. we are getting connections with everybody and being able to the, the more connections I feel that you make with somebody like the cares group we have all experienced loss and so that's a connection that we might not have with somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't share that with some of my girlfriends. So I can talk all I want about what I've experienced, but they don't get it. Right. You know, these people get it. Um, and I, I think having a grandparents group, you know, and the grandchildren and the kids getting to know other kids, because how many we're going to, I'm looking at Hunter's kindergarten and thinking, how many kids in his class, is he the only one that you know, had a, a parent in active addiction or Jackson in his school, how many kids in his class don't have a parent? You know, I mean, for Mother's Day, when they're all doing their Mother's Day cards, I got the Mother's Day mm -hmm. gift from Jackson, you know, because he doesn't have his mom anymore. So um, I think those connections are important to the kids to get them to understand that there are other children that are experiencing and they've got somebody that they can hang out with and, and have that shared experience with. Yeah, I think that's a great, yeah. a great program. I think I think everything that everybody's doing is, is going to help. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's just how do we get that information? I just went to a funeral a couple of weeks ago, and I watched the mother, and I was like, oh, gosh, she is just in the beginning of this. Like, yep. And you just pray for them because you know what the journey looks like. Right. And who reaches out to that parent and says, you know, here's a card, like call if you need right. help or whatever. Right. So if we can eliminate that, I always Absolutely. go to that one family, helping that one family. So 
Well, this has been informative, and I just want to thank you for everything that you do in the community. Oh, thank you um, for because having me on here. You it guys does do help. a lot. It does help. Um, I'm excited. As uh, Gina mentioned, I just newly got involved with the Not One More program, um, and they have a lot of things that they want to do. Um, they solely, at the beginning, I'm pretty sure, based on lost loved ones. So right. that was their focus on the lost loved ones with the banners and things like that, which is very hard by the way, to look at that sometimes too, yes. but they want to look at the recovery and the people and the right. ideas of people coming together and working with other organizations is going to make it so much better. I think it really is. I think if we can focus, like you said, more on the recovery, um, I think it's going to show that there's hope. It's really hard to tell somebody in early recovery how much hope there is when they see somebody in long, re long-term recovery still struggling, mm -hmm. then, you know, and, and I know that Jackie and Steven have sometimes, you know, probably thought like, is this really worth this? Like, why am I going through all of this to try to get to a certain point? Like it was so much easier when I didn't have to think about it, but, um, adulting's hard for all of us. And if they don't have the support, like right. you were there for, for Jackie and Steven and, but if they don't have that and right. they're still walking around in the city thinking this is right. hopeless what what encourages them to right. go on so i appreciate you coming today well, i am 100 percent so my tears today were for the <laughs> tears of joy oh, for your family yeah. for jackie and yeah. i want to get some more people on here that like you said that are in long-term recovery that can share with our listeners it is worth it and happy days do come yes. there's bad days but there's also good days and if we can all learn from this and share some of the success we hear about death over and over and over right and it's a sad thing but there's also recovery that's well, important and we have to know with our our loved ones that we've lost that other people just look at them they like you talked about the boards and i thought that what Alyssa did recently was um just awesome that we're doing on the uh web page that not mm -hmm. one more is going to have that they're now doing the bios where we can actually talk about the loved ones mm -hmm. and that was a tough thing to do for me with steph because you tend to focus a lot on the negative. And yep. I mean, I, I've said before, Steph and I butted heads a lot. Like she was not always a nice person. And it, it's hard to say when you, when you lose a loved one, you tend to want to glorify them and put them on a pedestal. But reality is Steph was not on a pedestal. And she and I had a lot of problems mm -hmm. and a lot of issues that I still struggle with the lack of ever resolving that relationship. And being able to sit down and say, hey, this was Steph. And these were all the good things. Yep. I know it gets me. I, it was first. It was the, <laughs> the radio ad that we had to do. Right. Oh my god! I know. And, and we had to write that, yep. and then we had this bio, and Austin and I did it. I wrote it, and he tweaked it a little bit down when we were in but Florida. But it was healing yep. to do it. It was healing to be able to. I, I, it made me laugh. I was like, oh my God, like, look at all these crazy, funny things that she was as a person. And this is who she really was. Her, her issues, her mental health issues was not her. Mm -hmm. Like she just had these issues that masked her personality. Um, so yeah, it was a good thing. And, and the bio was interesting. And I, I want to share that with Alyssa. And like uh, Gina said, it'll be on the not one more page is she said, don't bring up the addiction part at all. That was so hard. And so now, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're doing the commercial and you're talking and you want to help other people, it's so easy to talk about. Yes. But now you have to put that aside 
And there's so much more than that addiction. There that's is. what made it more emotional. Like, right. you, like you just said, like these are human beings. These were good people yep. that made the wrong choice. But to think that that wasn't their whole life. Like, right. Talk about their life before that happened. Right. And then you do start laughing and you do start thinking about those fun times. It's and, a healing and, yeah, process. It absolutely you know? is. And I would find myself going down the mental health. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, 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 nope. And back it up again. So it took me a long time to do it, but I was pleased with what I came up with. Austin so. doesn't believe everything that I put. He said, Carl didn't do. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't, I don't but, but he was correcting <laughs> me but that like that's hard to do sometimes it is it's to think past that because we get yeah. so consumed with that even today we still get consumed with that yep that situation and wanting to help other people and we sometimes forget that life was not always that right right so Good. Anything else? I don't think so. I think we covered a lot of stuff. But to Gina's point, you can reach out to Gina. She knows everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, ask Jackie. She'll tell you. I'm just kidding. Gina knows it all. Um, But by chance you can't reach her, I don't know as much. But you can reach out to us on the page. Um, Reach out to anybody. The Not One More has a bunch of information as well, but we want to help everybody. If anybody out there in long-term is listening or a friend knows somebody in long-term, we would love to get together and do a podcast genome test. It's not that bad. No, it's not Um, that bad. But if we can get some people that have long-term success, it's going to help. I think so. Those people that are newly in recovery and also those that are in long-term recovery understand some of the processes and maybe give us some suggestions how you work around some of these issues with with the law and everything else. And I am going to, at the event that we're having on Sunday through Not One More, I'm going to bring some flyers. So if anybody wants more information on this, they can contact me too. But... I also am a parent coach for the Partnership to End Addiction, and that's not to give advice. That's to listen and to guide and how to communicate with your loved ones. So if you have someone who's in active addiction Mm -hmm. and you want to talk, this is across the United States, so I talk to people all over the United States. Um, They hook you up. They they call a helpline. I'll have that contact information. You can actually call that helpline. They'll find out what it is that you want. And a lot of times we're working with somebody on just self-care and communication and some of the acronyms that they have as to how you can communicate with your loved one. But um, I have that information if anybody's interested in parent coaching. It's a really great tool as well. That's awesome. How much time does that take? um, I actually, when you hook up to somebody, when when they connect a parent to me, um, it's one hour for five weeks that we talk to them and then... You know, they're always welcome to call back, but we try to, I don't want to make disconnect sounds like a harsh word, but um, you don't want to get too attached. You don't want to get too emotional. It's hard enough to like let a parent go. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like letting your child go off and becoming an Mm -hmm. empty nester, but it's basically just building the relationship with them, listening to them, letting them know they're not alone um, and giving them some pointers. And um, after five weeks, then they're off on their own and you get another another parent so because there's a big need out there so there's a lot of parents that are looking for that very interesting yeah okay so i'll have to look at more of that okay Okay. awesome well thanks everybody and we'll catch you on the next one see you Bye. bye